And now, without further ado, here the man. Hello. Hey. <laughs> All right, Zeb. Uh, I just I got a question for you. This is a little quiz. Oh, now you're going to try to paint me in the corner, well, are you? We'll try. I never have yet. Uh, I know. I know. <laughs> so, if you think of occupations in the Old West, okay, there are a lot of occupations that you could get by just doing a mediocre job. But there's some occupations in the Old West that you had better be good at, or it could be fatal. Okay, I would say, not necessarily in this order, but being a town sheriff or marshal. Okay. Or, and this might sound a little funny to you, but if you're going to be a gambler, you better darn sure be a good gambler. Okay, you, you haven't hit it yet. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe a doctor. Nope. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm, uh, Hold on a second. Okay. Doctor, uh, gunfighter. Okay, you're getting closer. Okay, uh, go ahead, tell me. Bank robber. I really didn't have any <laughs> intentions of going there. All right. Okay. If you're not a good bank robber, things could turn out very bad. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So, okay, we're going to go to the town of Meeker, Colorado. Uh-oh. Okay, located in the northwestern part of the state, about 75 miles from kind of a rugged area known as Browns Park. Yeah. Okay. So in the 1890s, Browns Park was notorious as the hideout of the Wild Bunch. Uh-huh. Of course, the famous outlaw gang led by Butch Cassidy. And, you know, by all accounts, Butch was this charming guy. Uh, and after his gang pulled off a very successful robbery of the bank in Montpelier, Idaho, in the summer of 1896, it was natural that Butch would pretty much brag about the holdup and to the members of the gang who hadn't been there. He... You know, really build it up, said how easy it was, it was no problem, and uh, anyway, so a colorful guy like Butch drew a lot of admirers to him. Now, several of these novice members of the Wild Bunch, after sitting around the campfire, listening to Butch brag about the Montpelier robbery, decided, hey, we can do that. We're going to pull off a bank robbery mm-hmm. by ourselves. Okay. So, after all, they must have reasoned uh, when it came to bank robbery, they had learned from the master. Butch Cassidy. So there's no reason they couldn't knock off a bank on their own, right? (laughs) You know, it seems to me like a lot of these guys in the Old West, had they kept their big mouth shut, they would have been a lot better off. (laughs) Or stuck with the master. Yeah, there you go. So probably after talking about it among themselves for a while, three of these less experienced members of the Wild Bunch rode off towards Meeker, Colorado. Less experienced. Less experienced. Three guys, George Law, Jim Shirley, and a young guy they called the Kid, and they think his name might have been Pierce. Okay, so these are the three guys. Okay. George Law, Jim Shirley, and the Kid. Okay, their plan was to pull off this job just like Butch Cassidy would have. They got their hands on some extra horses, stashed them several miles out of town so they could change to fresh mounts for their getaway, which, of course, that was Butch's uh, motive. You know, you get out their ways, get fresh horses, and then you can outrun the posse. So, they rode into Meeker on the morning of Tuesday, October 13th, 1896. They familiarized themselves with the layout of the town and the bank. That was their intended target. So, they were just kind of hanging around the local livery stable, just not doing much, just kind of watching. So, if anyone in Meeker was suspicious of these three strangers, no record of it has come down through history. So, 
more than likely, you know, Western hospitality dictated they would be welcome. They'd probably sit around and just shoot the bull with uh, some of the local town people. I mean, you, you wouldn't think these guys are going to do anything bad. Yeah, well, you know, most of these guys were about as bright as a burned-out light bulb, and it surprises me they didn't say, well, we're in town to rob a bank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where's your bank, and where's the uh, where's the back door? Yeah. You know, but anyway, the three outlaws had their eyes on the bank of Meeker, which was owned by a company called the Hugus Company, uh-huh. and it was a business enterprise that operated num- a number of banks and mercantiles in Colorado and Wyoming. Now, the bank, uh, this is a little different. The bank was housed in the Hugus building on Meeker's Main Street. Now, a Hugus general store also occupied the same building. So the bank and the mercantile store were in the same Oh, building. wait a minute. Where they sold the dry goods and, right. and the yeah. grain and the clothing and yeah. everything, kind Guns, of the general everything. store type thing? Right. The bank was in there? Yeah. They were all kind in... of like a mall. Yeah. First yeah. of the mall shopping. Yep. So that afternoon, still acting unsuspiciously, George Law and the kid wandered apparently kind of aimlessly into the bank slash store yeah. while Jim Shirley came in through the back door. Okay. Now they split up even more. George Law heading towards the left where the bank counter was located, while the kid went to the right, and Jim Shirley advanced into the center of the room. Now, at the counter was a guy named Joe Rooney, who was a clerk at the Meeker Hotel, and he was making a deposit. And at this point, let's take a break. Oh, you're going to have one of those Saturday morning cliffhangers. You bet. you got to find out what happens to Joe oh, Rooney. Oh, my goodness, ladies and gentlemen. This cliffhanger, this serial of Western times, is brought to you by Minicasha Sales. 1321 East Main Street in Burley. Zach and the whole crew. You know, one thing i got to mention to you, they've got the very best of the Tartar Farm and Ranch gates and panels. you got cattle. you got horses. They've got the gates and panels right there through Tartar, the very best. And don't forget, too, all of your windows. Windows with the Western Windows save on your heating and cooling bills. You check it out today. Minicasha Sales, 1321 East Main Street in Burley with Zach and the whole crew right across from the airport. And they sponsor this man, this man, Dr. History, who has us now in a cliffhanger. All right. So keep in mind the names. Okay. George Law and Jim Shirley and the kid are the outlaws. Yep. Okay. Joe Rooney is going to make a deposit. So he's standing in line. Well, George Law calmly stood in line behind Rooney as if he was going to conduct some kind of normal business or deposit or, in this case, withdrawal. But uh, when Rooney finished making his deposit and turned to leave, Law went into action, drew his gun, and he stepped up to the counter, and he thrust the weapon through the teller's window. He ordered the man to put his hands up. Mm -hmm. Now... Uh, just to make his point, which is uh, kind of again kind of a not a very good experience, he sh- he fired a shot past the teller's head. Past. 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 Now you're robbing a bank and you shoot your gun. Okay, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're going too fast for this old cowboy. That is going to cause alarm and awareness, <laughs> you, is it not? You and I would know that. Yeah. Okay, the teller, a guy named David Smith, who was the bank's assistant cashier, didn't follow the order quickly enough to suit law, so amazingly, he fired again. Wait a minute, wait a minute. This is two shots. Two shots now. Okay. okay. Sending a slug whistling past Smith's other ear. Uh-huh. Now, so he if, was kind of boxed in. He was. So if the idea was to rob the bank without arous- arousing attention of the rest of the town, the outlaws were in the process of failing 
miserable. Okay, now, so these old Colts in the old days, I mean, they weren't exactly like ping or no. bang. I mean, you're talking bang. Wow. Yeah, you could hear it, I'm going to guess, a few yeah. blocks away. So yeah. two gunshots going off in the bank were bound to cause a bit of a, a stir, right? One would think. <laughs> well, some say that the shots were accidental, that Law was so nervous he fired them without meaning to. But, you know, it's impossible to really know at this point what happened. Uh, but anyway, the shots kind of alerted the town, as you can imagine. Okay, so inside the bank, Jim Shirley and the kid threw down on a guy named Moulton, who was the manager, and some of the other employers or employees, and they were holding them at gunpoint. Now, while Law kept an eye on Smith, who's behind the counter, yeah. and Rooney, the guy that had made the deposit, yeah. they still stood nearby with their hands up, and he tried to open the door of the bank office. The door was locked. He wouldn't budge. So Shirley ordered Moulton to unlock the door. So the bank manager cooperated. He produced a key, opened the office door. Law crowded into the room, pulled out uh, the cash drawer, and yanking a crumpled sugar sack from his pocket, he dumped the cash from the drawer into the sack. Now, wait a minute. Okay, so we've got a white sack okay. full of cash. White sack full of cash. Okay. And and this is taking a lot of time. <laughs> that's that's You're right on with this, <laughs> right where I'm going. Okay, so while he's busy doing that, Shirley made sure all the prisoners were disarmed. And also, now this is kind of interesting, he broke the actions of all the rifles in the mercantile store. Uh-huh. That was right there in the same building. So he goes next door and breaks all the actions of guns that are on the shelf. Well, but this is all in one room. Oh, really? Yeah, it's all okay. the, the bank and the and the mercantile. It's all like one big room. Big, friendly atmosphere. Yeah, so he's broken all the rifles for whatever reason. Yeah. Anyway, so and as you mentioned, all this was taking way too much time. Okay, the earlier shots had alerted the townspeople that something was wrong at the bank. Yeah. Okay, so a guy named Tom Shervin, who worked at the Meeker Hotel with Joe Rooney, ran down the board, boardwalk, peeked in the windows to see what was going on, <laughs> spotting the hostages with their hands up. Shervin leaped to the obvious conclusion that the place was being robbed. Boy, I'm telling you now, <laughs> you're, you're talking about some really sharp people. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so he signaled as much to a man passing the street who dashed away to spread the word. Well, by the time Shirley, Law, and the kid finished their work inside the bank, again, I don't know how much time this took. But I mean, like, we started this on a Tuesday, and it's already Wednesday <laughs> afternoon. Yeah. So here we are. They're inside the bank. A group of armed men led by the town marshal now, Uh-oh. guy named Ben Nichols, had surrounded the entrance to the building using whatever cover they could find as they leveled rifles and shotguns at the door. Yeah. So they're outside hiding behind wagons or barrels or whatever. This doesn't sound good. Not for the outlaws. Not the bad guys. Okay, Jim Shirley actually was the oldest and most experienced of the bandits. Wait a minute, most experienced? <laughs> Boy, it seems to me he should have been more vocal. He should have been. <laughs> so he knew trouble was likely waiting for them outside. Their best chance to escape would be to take hostages with them to serve as human shields. This doesn't sound good. No. So Shirley grabbed Joe Rooney, jammed a gun in his back, and forced him out the door onto the sidewalk. Now, seeing one of their fellow Meekerites in the lead, the townsmen held their fire as the outlaws and their prisoners pushed out of the bank. And as you can imagine, it was a bit tense. For everybody. I I think that's good terminology. And it became even more so as Jim Shirley spotted a man with a rifle crouched at the corner of a nearby grain warehouse. Shirley snapped a shot at the man, hit him in the chest and wounding him, but it didn't fatally. He was okay. Shot him in the chest and it didn't kill him? must have been off the side or something. I don't know. Missed his heart. Oh. So he was okay. So there's one shot. But anyway, so given the circumstances, that shot 
could have been the match that touched off an explosion Uh-oh. of gunfire. I mean, it could have just oh my. all been bad. But yeah. anyway, if that had happened, there would have been a massacre on Meeker's Main Street. Some or all the hostages probably would have been killed. Yeah. Somehow the townsmen managed to keep their cool and keep their nerves, and they held their fire. So picture this. The group of hostages began shuffling down the street, herded, by Shirley Law and the kid. Okay, so we so got hostages going down the street. street with these three outlaws kind of around them, kind of shuffling them down the street. Okay. So their destination was a wagon uh, that actually belonged to the Hugus Company that was parked alongside the boardwalk. The outlaws' horses were tied to the wheels of this wagon. Uh, you so know, that's where some, they were headed. I see some bad things coming. Okay. Well, when they got there, Law and Shirley started jerking the reins loose while a kid covered the prisoners with his rifle. Okay. Now, Zeb, you and I have been around horses. Yeah. You jerk the reins on a horse, they're not just going to stand there. No, so, and we're talking about being under a duress situation right, here. yeah. So suddenly, one of the hostages, impossible to say which one at this time, couldn't stand it any longer. The man lowered his arms and broke from the group, dashing for safety. Uh-huh. Now, that unexpected development caused the kid's nerves to crack. He was the youngest, yeah. most inexperienced. And what did he do? Well, the young outlaw opened fire. On the guy. Uh, spraying lead at the hostages as fast as he could what? work the lever on his gun. Oh, my goodness, this kid. Oh. <laughs> well, naturally enough, when the shooting started, the rest of the hostages, they also just took off. They spread out. Yeah, took would, off. wouldn't sure. you? Oh, yeah. So trying to get out of the way of the flying lead, uh, and actually one man was hit in the arm, another in the leg, and a third had a finger grazed by a bullet. But despite their injuries, the hostages kept moving. Really? And suddenly the three outlaws found themselves without human shield. This kid was not a very good shot. No. Uh, he had not he gone just, through a hunter safety course or no, anything, right? Uh, that was I, We would call it buck fever if yeah. you were hunting deer. Okay, but. right. Well, guns roared all around them as the citizens of Meeker opened up with all the barrels blazing. So all these people are still laying yeah, in wait. Right. They're hiding behind wagons and barrels and behind buildings. And these three crooks, now they don't have any human no, shields. They're standing beside this wagon trying to get their horses. Yeah. Well, the kid was thrown backward. His body ripped through by five bullets. One of them found his heart, killed him instantly. Jim Shirley stumbled against the wagon, shot through the lungs. He managed to lift his gun and jerk the trigger a few times. Even as he hit the ground, he was still pulling the trigger a yeah, few times. Yeah. Now, George Law was the only one still on his feet. Now, George was the experienced one. Uh, yeah. I think no, so. No, no, Jim Shirley was the only I see. Okay. So, George Law was the only one still on his feet. Now, instead of trying to get on one of the spooked horses, as I mentioned, he took off on foot. <laughs> not bright. Okay. Now, he had to have known that his odds were not really good about getting away, but he did his best. He hadn't gone far, though, before he stumbled, shot through the body. A second later, a slug smashed into his left leg, knocked it out from under him, and he tumbled to the ground. Well, slowly the armed townsmen began to emerge from their hiding places, and they kind of cautiously approached these guys. I mean, they didn't know for sure that they were dead. Yeah. And Now, did all three die right then? Uh, the Jim, Shirley, and the kid were dead. Okay, but, right the other, off the bat. but old Law was still he running. He was still alive, yeah. but obviously in bad shape. Yeah, I would say. So, uh, mortally wounded. But the county attorney and the editor of the local newspaper tried to get a dying statement out of him, but all Law managed to do was give them phony names for himself and the others. Now, why at that point would he want to do you that? You know, here you are. You, you, you you've think, about oh, had dying. it. Yeah. Hey, this is my name. 
So Shirley and the kid, uh, anyway, it was only later that their real identities were discovered. Uh, Law lived for less than an hour after the shootout that ended this boxed. And I don't suppose they offered a lot of medical attention. (laughs) Probably not, you know. But, you know, oddly enough, when the bank employees returned to the bank, they found the sack of money still sitting there. In the bank? Yeah, in the excitement of herding the hostages out of the bank, the outlaws had left the money behind. Oh, Again, uh, you know, it, you know, and even if they'd gotten away, they would have done so empty-handed because they didn't have the money. So they'd bungled this bank robbery up one way and down the other, and when it came to following the footsteps of their good hero, Butch Cassidy and the Wild Bunch, these guys never had a chance. You know, and the old adage, crime doesn't pay. Well, they didn't have the money. No, they didn't. <laughs> and, you know, again, going into a bank robbery thinking, oh, well, Butch Cassidy did it. We'll do it the same way he did it. Uh, no. I'm no. surprised they didn't do it like Butch and Sundance did with that train when they used dynamite. Oh, yeah, yeah, kind of blow it to bits. Yeah, and then old Sundance looks at Butch and says, uh, use enough dynamite there, Butch. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a number of uh, bungled uh, robberies that took place. I remember one that took place at a stagecoach, hold up a, a man and a woman, and uh, this was in the evening, and they took off with the goods. But they got lost, and they wandered around in all night long, and the next morning they'd only gone a mile or so, so they got caught. Oh, my. The dumbest thing I ever heard of any of the stories that you have related about the Old West, and we've seen this in Hollywood movies, is where a bank robber will jump out on the tracks of a oncoming train, hold his gun up, and say, Stop! <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I agree with you. That's a little bit of a okay. Oh my goodness! Going to stop a train. I don't know where you find some of these stories, but really, when you think about it, it's amazing that we progressed from being so stupid. <laughs> and you know, and I've told, told a lot of stories about robbers, and yeah. you know, some of them were uh, like gentlemen robbers. They were very kind and well, nice. There's a guy that uh, wasn't he from Idaho or California see, or something? Yeah. That, uh, I'd have to look. Was, was it that Black, Black Bart? I'm thinking it was Black. Bart, Bart, they called yeah. the gentleman. Yeah, yeah I'd have yeah. to check on that. But and then he met his demise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They uh, they, they used, didn't have very good job security. They they usually did. They have four hundred one k plans or anything. <laughs> I don't think they did. Okay. I think it was four hundred one get out of the country. <laughs> <laughs> Leave the country. Oh, man. like maybe Butch did. We don't know. Yeah, we keep talking about that. Do you one. believe he got uh, the hail of bullets over in Bolivia, or did he come back to New York? There are people that still think he came back to New York. And I lean that direction. I, do I too. really do, just because of some of the things I've read. And the family members. Right. Some of the letters. And friends. Yeah. And I think I told you a couple of years ago, I met a man, shook his hand, that shook the hand of Butch Cassidy. Yeah. Down in St. George, Utah. Yeah. He was like 96 years old. And who's to say that maybe your neighbor isn't a direct descendant and they had uh, maybe an ice cream social you gotta, together? you got to be careful who you talk about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Minicash's Sales, 1321 East Main Street in Burley, right across from the airport. And it's true. Zach actually knew Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, you stop in for all your lumber and all your shingles and your Tartar Firm and Ranch gates and panels, everything right there at Minicasha Sales, 1321 East Main Street in Burley, right across from the airport with Zach and the crew sponsoring Dr. History. Quick question. I see you got your uh, Bronco cap on. Now, is that for the Denver Broncos or the Boise, Boise State? 
Boise. And I like the Denver Broncos. You know what, though? I think that Boise State is going to be a lot bigger and more powerful than what people give them credit for this you year. You know, I love watching them because they always seem to come back with a good bunch yeah. every year. See this what? quarterback now, after a year's maturity, I think yeah. is going to be really outstanding. And they've made some real changes for the better in the offensive line. They're going to be fun to watch. They're going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And I think last year, you know, every team has its dips and its highlights, but I think Boise State's going to be tough this year. Yeah, they'll they'll be fun to watch. All right. So now, is it true you're going to offer me your tickets to go up some weekend? (laughs) Just as soon as I buy them. Oh, you haven't got yours yet, huh? No. uh, How's the wife? Doing good. Doing good. Good. Yeah, we're... uh, Everything's going good. Like I say, we're going to hit the rodeo and or the parade tomorrow tomorrow at Burley. And is there any chance at all that maybe some of the human kindness will come out in you and you'll bring me some of the maple bars with bacon? Not a chance. Okay. Okay. <laughs> You're excused. I may get one, but I don't know if I'm going to share it with you. I doubt it. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor History. God bless and thanks for coming. You have in. a good day. Sir. All right, my friend. Thank you very much, Doctor History, better known as my dear friend, Doctor Ken Turner, and uh, we appreciate him being on the program here this morning.